I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our week 7 suspension episode. This episode is brought to you by MLS Fantasy Face Mask. When you want to rock your team safely outside your... No, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon supporters of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Uh, without you all, none of this happens. You all are amazing and I love you. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by my partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle, who are all rocking little fun backgrounds on their Zoom tonight. Hi, fellas. How's it going? Hey. Celebrating the number one draft pick, Joe Burrow. On there you go. LSU background. Which is shocking for someone named Mike that Tiger. <laughs> uh, I am not rocking a background, so for those of you who are listening to us, if you want to hop over to YouTube quickly and check out this episode, you can see how how Mike and Blaine are both supporting their their fandoms right there. Uh, I am just supporting my geekdom with my little geek retreat in the background here. Uh, tonight we were went back and forth about what we were going to do for this episode. I know last week we were talking a little bit about maybe doing likening fantasy teams to presidents or some sort of ridiculousness like that, but we didn't go that way. Not at all. Maybe maybe next week. Depends on how long this this suspension goes and how crazy we can start. <laughs> we end up we end up getting. Uh, but that just got me thinking about how long will this suspension last? What will the game? the fantasy game look like when we come back and Blaine is a cat right now and I don't think it's going to look anything like a cat uh but of course I forgot to mention this I don't want to get too far far into the show uh until without saying this um had a little pun there at the beginning with with face masks I did notice that MLS is selling team logoed face masks right now I think I'm going to get one uh, it does oh, help. Really? It, they are. It's. I think it's going to help support a food bank uh, in Canada and, and some other projects like that. So the proceeds are there with with fanatics. Uh, I'm going to get one myself. Uh, but we're doing this show still during the the suspension because COVID nineteen has just shaken up life all over the world in the United States, and things are starting to gradually reopen. I know we're seeing some stuff here in Kentucky now where I'm at, and I think uh, Blaine, you said. Where you're at, things are going to start to slowly open as well. Um, yeah, we start next Monday. The governor actually said everything is allowed to open. Um, social distancing and other safety protocols are still required. Still the six foot and the maximum occupancy rules and try to minimize travel, but he's going to let things open. And then more urban areas are free to continue with stricter measures as needed. And Mike, how's things in Louisiana? There's not a two-week extension of stay-at-home order, so apparently it's not good enough for the governor. So, so there we go. Uh, in Kentucky, we're going to be required to wear masks when we leave the house after um, 
May 11th. So, well, highly suggested for, for leaving the house. Businesses definitely need to start wearing masks. So we're getting through this. We're getting through this together. And we're here to help focus on your mental well-being. Uh, have a little bit of a, a chill, fun time, talk about fantasy soccer or the closest thing we can get to fantasy soccer right now with, with you know, all soccer is pretty much a fantasy right now. We're dreaming. <laughs> We're dreaming of soccer. I did hear, didn't you guys hear this too? Bundesliga might be coming back soon. Yes. Yeah, I saw Bundesliga. There's been like some Korean baseball that's been going yeah, on. Yeah, mm, coming that. back. We might have to branch out to some other fantasy games. We'll see. I don't know if we're going to be as desperate as those DraftKings guys with, with just betting on anything that we can or fantasying <laughs> anything that we can. But that's why we're doing this show. I'd be a little late to join Bundesliga. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the fun. That's that's the angle we're going to take. Is For those of you just joining now, here's, here's what you could do. But yeah, that's why we're doing the show still. Just wanting to do our part to help people get through this time right now. And I do hope everyone is staying safe. Um... Well, hello there. Hey, Fripp, thanks for joining us tonight in uh, in chat. Uh, and uh, the topic for tonight, which I hope, uh, especially you, Fripp, should have some, some fun things to say about this. And everyone listening, I, I hope you do respond back with your thoughts as well. We are talking about what will the fantasy game look like once the suspension is over. Because right now, if there were to have not been any kind of suspension we would be in round four and we would be talking about how this is one of the best double game weeks coming up that we've had so far it would actually be the fifth double game week of the season and it would be right before a massive bye week in round 15 so uh this this would be a really great time i mean we'd have Atlanta that would be on a double game week. You'd have Cincinnati on a double game week that you could bet against. You'd have Columbus on a double game week, which was looking really hot at the beginning of the season. You have LA Galaxy to see what was going on there. I mean, this this was going to be a a really great double game week, and you, it's not. Hmm? You're depressing me. I can't Captain Zardes this week. You can't. You can't Captain Zardes at all this week i mean i mean heck looking uh, at this seattle sounders was going to be on a double home game it was going to be it was going to be fantastic um but this this is where we would have been so how are we going to make all this up that's the question that we're thinking about and i know a lot of people out there have probably had this conversation on facebook or on twitter or whatever your preferred social media medium is and you wanted to know what's the season going to look like we're going to do a version of that tonight. We're going to try not to get too deep into just the pure soccer. And we're going to focus more on how can the fantasy game adapt. We're going to assume, and uh, I did make make a mistake when I was plugging this earlier today on, on Twitter. I guess it was it was more of, of just, just wishful thinking of having games come back in, in May. But June 8th. June 8th is the target date, so that would put us at round 16 as uh, as far as... Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I was looking at... Um, as far as the the comeback date. So that's round 16, uh, just a few weeks away from... But I did that math wrong. I was looking at May 27th. This is, this is April 27th. I, I have been working from home too long. I don't know what day it is. Up is down, <laughs> left is right. Round 14 is, is just the same as round 10. I mean, it's... 
It's all kinds of crazy. But that's what we're looking at. If we were to come back in round 16, so that's missing 14 weeks of the fantasy season. That's that's half, almost half the fantasy season, which would have been 32 weeks. Mm-hmm. So if we're missing 14 weeks of the fantasy season, how does the game adapt to this? So I put out some polls on Twitter. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm going to start with, uh, with Blaine and Mike first and get your thoughts for how do you think the game should try to adapt? Uh, Blaine, we'll start with you. Yeah, so optimistic here if we start playing they say games won't resume until june 8th that means the weekend of the 13th is probably the first time we could have games now we're looking at what is that i sorry i was out around 13 around 16 yeah i mean we're talking you got to compile 10 or so missed games into the last little bit of the season there I really think the MLS schedule is going to be changed this year, depending on when we can come back. I don't think it's feasible to have that many games. Um, I could see the two games played be counting for fantasy, but not counting for the regular season unless they were in conference. I think we might see a conference only schedule from middle to late June on through October with playoffs back in November, like we saw a couple of years ago and go back to the old playoff format. So biggest change there is now we're seeing Western Conference teams no longer playing Eastern Conference teams. Um, it's good. It could just be – it could be really weird. And then I think you're going to see packed double game weeks. I think every other week will have to be a double game week, if not every third. I mean, definitely every third will have to be a double game week with those games, but every other week could be one. I can't imagine the players union going for Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for three months straight to try to make up games. That's just guys need a break in the middle. So you may be able to play four games in two, in a two week span and then get a, get a midweek off. It's just, I think it's going to be compressed and I think we're going to actually see games cut from the schedule and it's going to be mostly, um, East and Western separated from each other, which is a new dynamic for fantasy. So just looking ahead, Mike, before you get to, to jump in here, just looking ahead, if we start with, uh, with round 16, that gives us 17 weeks left in the season. Of those 17 weeks, you're looking at 10 of them already being double game weeks. So if, if we're worried about double game week congestion, and that was one of the options on Twitter when I was asking, what do you all want? Is it double game week every week? I don't know how much more you could shove into this schedule to add double game weeks. I mean, you're, you're right. You're talking about, is every week going to be a double game week? Now, some of them could be better double game weeks than they are. I mean, looking at round 21, it was just going to be Cincinnati and New York City FC having, a.k.a. the Reed and Mike Derby, having... <laughs> a a double game week. You could definitely add some double games here, but can we really go in the fantasy so, game with so much double gamings? Will we will we I mean we're gonna only have one week anyway with this new system. Do we wanna have seventeen rounds of only getting one game? Only one week of a double game week? It's essentially just seventeen regular weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting because I, I actually think it's a little bit more radical than Blaine. Um, I, you know, because we're talking about you're going to have to get a training camp um, 
I, I think that's probably about a month to get players up to speed. Most of these players, you know, they only had two weeks of actual game time. Um, there's also a question of is, is U.S. Open Cup just canceled this year? Um, or do you play like an abbreviated schedule of just the MLS teams because pretty much all the, the you know lower teams are canceling. I don't remember if USL has formally canceled its season yet, but I would expect it to be to do that because none of those teams are going to make money without fans of the events, and that's pretty clearly something that's not going to happen um, through most of the soccer season, maybe throughout the rest of the year. Um, the other problem that we're going to have is that different states have different rules depending on you know who's running them and where they are in the pandemic um with california kind of suggesting they may not allow sporting events through 2021 to 2020 already um obviously new york is in the same boat then you have other states like georgia and texas which would affect you know the texas teams and atlanta united um trying to start moving towards the recovery phase uh, i think most sports leagues are going to say i don't want to be dealing with a patchwork of regulations and have you know 20 different governors being able to cancel games and then you know try, trying to balance that so what what i suspect mls is going to do is going to split up into divisions for the first time um i think that way you've got four different bubbles um because i think if you had a whole eastern and western conference in a bubble i think that's just be too big for mls to do um, too hard to get real estate. I mean, even MLS, or excuse me, uh, MLB is kind of having some issues with that. No, no one else has kind of announced that yet. Um, MLB is only kind of trying to rely on its spring training uh, facilities in order to get by. I, I think for MLS to try to, you know, find somewhere it can sit. Um, I think it's having four places where you only have like six teams, I, I think six or seven teams would a lot be a lot easier. So with that, I think you've got 10 games, and then you just kind of go from there into a playoffs. Um, and I think 10 games kind of sounds right. That way you're not trying to do double game weeks. Um, you know, for MLS, you, you don't have that much of a television contract where you need to get as many games in to fill the contract. Most MLS teams, I think, are still really dependent on game day attendance, which just isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, most of the MLS teams, their cable, you know, local uh, broadcast deals really aren't those great of deals anyway, which is why MLS was looking at maybe swapping over to ESPN plus for all of them anyway. Um, so I, I think MLS will probably just try to do enough to get some games on there. Hope that the other leagues really haven't gotten their stuff and just try to do a condensed schedule. And if you do 10 weeks, that'll probably be good enough. Um, and then you can go into the playoffs from there. So are you talking uh, uh, 10 total or 10 more to give us 12 weeks total of fantasy? 10. I'm, I'm thinking you're scrapping the first two weeks. Okay. I, I just don't I just don't know how you switch to any kind of only schedule and then count those other games. That just seems really unbalanced. And I mean, at this point, it's, it's not like other leagues. It's not like the NBA where it's like, man, you went through three-fourths of a season. That feels like it should count for something. You know, no team has really distinguished itself enough in MLS – for anyone to be really passionate either way about what's already happened. Um, so I, I, I feel MLS should kind of take advantage of the situation, the fact that the season hasn't really started yet, and just go, hey, let's just go into, um, have, a, have a brand new season, just kind of start from scratch. Um, you know, it, you know, I mean, like we talk about like the English Premier League, like Liverpool's already played so many other games, their fans think like they've earned something, they've, they should deserve something. So that's a much different argument 
than whoever. I don't even know who's first in MLS right now. Sporting Kansas City would hold the shield if we cut it off right now. Then we oh, should so Blaine is for Blaine is for cutting it off right now. Okay, so so let's let's pull back to the fantasy side. So we can't. Oh, wait, let me just add one more. Okay, thing. no, okay. Not having double game weeks, I think, is better in a situation where you're mm-hmm. trying to keep players healthy. Sure. Um, and so I, I think that'll be easier for it to pass. It'll be easier to do with the Corona and the less mm-hmm. staff that you're going to have. And because you're definitely not going to want to reduce your um, taxing of medical resources. So. Well, you could potentially so, even not have to worry about flights. You could look at more just team busing, which I know may not so, be great uh, with the Players Commission, but if you could just drive, that would help your yeah. exposure too. Cup- couple of things i've heard tossed around um like i said east and west i don't know that you have to go to divisions necessarily i think it's a good potential solution especially if we can't open play until july or august depending on what state rules are there but uh, i'm hinging on that um june 13th date they've already talked about potentially moving mls cup back to a november playoffs like they used to and you could play the final on december 6th that's not unheard of. It fits in with the MLS pattern from a couple of years ago. Um, that would give us, if we open on the 13th, that would give us 21 weekends. Um, we're talking 13 in a conference right now. So if you played home and away through that, even if it was at a relocated home stadium for places that can't open, um, you only need about five double game weeks in there to get to your 26, or no, three double game weeks to get to your 26 games or 24 games. 12, 12, to each opponent, 12 opponents, 24. Um, that's not bad if we hit the appropriate target dates to get the games rolling. And I could definitely see MLS just saying scrap com- or scrap interleague play or interconference play and just go with home and away and slide a couple of double game weeks in there, which means we'd probably have a double game week every week in fantasy if they did it but they would rotate who gets those Wednesday games and you'd only have one or two teams or yeah, one or two Wednesday games each week to kind of get through that. Um, But that's just kind of the logistics I've heard is we've got 21 games, but I know we're talking, they, the training member referendum or whatever, they can't train until start training until May 15th. That's the first day MLS is going to let any facilities open back up if they do. Um, I know Kansas City is under lockdown until the 15th. I think that's both Missouri and Kansas side. So that means we're going to be coming out of it, and we're one of the earlier states to be looking at it. So sporting may be able to get started training that week. But is L.A., is Seattle, where are these guys going to be training? What's going to be going on with those other cities? I know Vermes has been talking to the league. He did a public meeting or a public uh, call the other day. And he said that sporting would be willing to open up their facilities for other teams to come and train as Missouri, light, Missouri and Kansas lighten up their loads. Um, I think he said um, we've got Swope Soccer Village in there. That's another spot where you can fit teams. I think, I think at the professional facilities that are just soccer, we could fit four to six teams in Kansas City to train pretty regularly and still keep some distance. Um, Arrowhead's owned by Clark Hunt, who owns FC Dallas. Um, Arrowhead could be another venue that could be easily acquired for use. So I know some of the some cities are looking at potentially hosting other teams to try to get things rolling sooner. Um, but that's all kind of 
I I really think we're getting optimistic if we start looking middle of June because while certain areas are opening, I don't know that some of your bigger markets, some of your better draws, or maybe not so good of draws, but teams like Red Bulls, um, like how are they going to be able to train? Are New York City going to be able to train? Both LA teams, are they going to be able to train? Like when we start cutting out major markets that may not be able to train, what if they get a June 1st start training date from the from the state? Like we, it's just, yeah, I, I don't see where we're going to be able to get back quite as early as MLS is hoping, although I do hope some they do look at options of relocating elsewhere. All right, let's let's steer back to fantasy for a second. I'm going to start with you, Mike. You, I love your idea of division. So what I want to do is take this idea is, okay, let's say we go into some sort of divisional system. And that's going to, I've, I've done some quick dividing of our 26 teams right here. And I want to talk about who would be at an advantage in the fantasy game. We are working with, of course, right now, and maybe I should have established this rule earlier. We are assuming that there are no fans for the rest of the season that whatever games are played are played in an empty stadium or maybe noises piped in from speakers or something who knows but it's mostly empty stadiums so very much preseason-esque i guess environments and uh home and away may not necessarily work so i love the idea just in general of divisions within mls mm -hmm. I, I think it would be very fun so a quick look mike for I'm four got divisions regardless of this pandemic let's get divisions <laughs> uh so doing a, a quick look here let's just say there's four divisions like you were saying it seems really easy to me to say our six west coast teams are one division so vancouver seattle portland san jose la la galaxy that is a monster of a fantasy group right there. I mean, if you knew those teams were going to go against each other for the next 10 weeks, <laughs> would, would that be your go-to fantasy bracket? Well, let me, let me, sorry, let me, let me make the rest of the brackets for you first before that's, that's unfair. So there's, there's our West coast powerhouse right there. It then we have to have one t group with seven to get all that to work out. So that makes sense to me to be the Northeast. Because we've got Montreal, New England, New York City, New York Red Bulls, Philly, D.C., and Toronto right there in that little group. Also captures some great rivalries right there. So I don't really see how you could split a lot of that up. So that's a good little group there. Did you miss there. New England in that group? Uh, no, I said them second, but I can see how you would think that. Uh, they were on a bit of a run at the beginning. So some right there. That leaves next. We're going to go with sort of this... Uh, midwestern southern midwestern group i don't know it's basically this little diagonal this arrow that points down columbus cincinnati nashville atlanta orlando and miami a nice little bit of an arrow right there again captures a fair amount of some rivalries right there i'm liking it and then that just finally leaves us with uh, the final seven teams uh, you could throw chicago we actually end up with two two teams of seven so you could mm -hmm. throw chicago in there if you want or you could keep them into this more midwest central mountainy type area and have rsl colorado um, minnesota sporting kansas city dallas houston and then chicago is a swing back and forth so that's kind of how i see the bracket shaping out if we were to do four divisions like that to me i don't know there, there's some go-to teams at each one which one of those jumps out at you as as a a great fantasy target for the next 10 rounds if that's what we end up doing as a bracket or just like teams that benefit 
teams that benefit the the way I'm looking at it is uh, the advantage of the this midwestern southern region is you've got the expansion team Nashville, you've got the rebuild team Cincinnati, and you've got whatever Orlando has right now going on. Uh, you do have the uh, expansion Miami, but they've been on a little bit of, of an uptick, I think, right there. So that one seems like you could potentially be always looking towards Columbus and Atlanta to have some really go-to players and really get some great fantasy points right there. The West Coast just scares me because there's just so much talent there that I don't know what that would be week in and week out. Is it going to be Goal Fest? Is it going to be be Bunkers Up? I mean, that's going to be be crazy right there. The mid the Midwestern, I mean, maybe you're going with Sporting Kansas City as, as a lot of, of your team. They were, they were doing hot. Minnesota was on a bit of a hot, but that's so much distance to cover, and there was such a variety and how those the form of those teams that I don't know if that would be a strong fantasy grouping to look at, uh, and then the Northeast I think is equally just hit or miss with with the form that teams seem to have right now with those teams. Philadelphia could be the one you'd want to go to a lot with with little spatterings of New England and, and the few people there, but um, I don't know. I would think that's that Midwestern Southern group might offer the best fantasy potential if we were to do a divisions like that. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Um, I, I think the the Texas Mountain Division I think would be really interesting. I think you get a lot of really good fantasy value coming out of there. Um, because if, if teams like, for example, like Colorado didn't get put up against Seattle and the Los Angeleses as often um, and got to instead play Houston more, you know, Dallas um, and some of those. I, I think, I, honestly, that would be the division I think would be most interesting. I think you can okay. see some, some younger players from RSL. Um, now, as far as like pure Bankum, you know, players, like, yeah, you're probably definitely going to look at Atlanta, who's going to have a lot of matchups. Um, Blaine's probably going to, you know, talk about Zardas twice as much if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I think I think some the Northeast would probably be a little bit interesting. Um, the form, you know, I don't know who would come out of that. Kind of the same mm-hmm. with, with the West. That would be um, fun to watch. So I think you'd probably be those two. Yeah, it would be a blast to watch. Um, strength I mean, of schedule now, means so much at this. Strength of schedule means so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, so I think you would really get in that for fantasy purposes. It would be really interesting, depending on whether if you did do a division system, whether you did it pure division like I said, where it's just like you play 10 games or if you did division for you get two games against them and then one against the rest of your conference opponent, that would make a big difference fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. So with yours, Blaine, uh, Oh, well, I'll let you weigh in which, which of those four imaginary district do you think would have the most fantasy potential? If that's how fantasy was having to try to adapt um, to the new schedule. Yeah. I got to agree with that. Whatever Midwest Southern division that you call it. Um, I actually would put Nashville into your mountain Texas region and throw Chicago in with that Midwest Southern because that's, but that's just the way the Western conference is divided right now. Nashville's a Western conference team. And I don't think you want, we should, we should should ignore that because it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I, I I, I tend to lean towards Mike. Yeah. Let's just put Chicago (laughs) in this Midwestern thing and just say the mountain people are the mountain people. Yeah, I, and and We're I tend to Nashville agree to with East that. Eventually, at some point, anyway. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that, but I don't like the idea of putting Nashville and Miami 
and Cincinnati in the same division together, being three of the most recent expansion teams. I think they would try to put Nashville on the other side just to, for the balance of the schedule. So you're, it's just, it's the way I think it would, I, it would sure, have to work sure, sure. out. But yeah, you're banking. Maybe we can just go ahead and contract those teams will make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're banking a lot on Atlanta and Columbus at that point. Um, I think the the region to watch is going to be the East or the Northeast. Like, mm-hmm. I I see a bunch of teams that we've all been pretty high on at different points. Um, New York City's not where they used to be. Montreal's kind of hit or miss right now compared to what they were a couple of years they ago. They played Mike. two games. Roster build. We haven't even <laughs> seen the full adaptation of the player really price adjustments yet. Me. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I really think, I really think that region has the most parity of any of them. And it, it's going to be a okay. fantasy nightmare okay. because you can't pick that because any one of those teams could beat any of the other teams at any point um you look at the west it's t- it's a little top heavy everybody's going to be picking against vancouver uh san True. jose yeah <laughs> I, I, I mean that's one of those juicy fantasy matchups you go oh i like all of those teams but if i can take la la and seattle against vancouver every week i'm gonna do it like that's just that's just smart well, San Jose right has to play that uh, full press and has to do a massive double game weeks for like three weeks in a row. I'm picking against them too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then San Jose and Portland are kind of wild cards and it would depend on how they show up, but you have a bunch, uh, you have a bunch of potential out there for some lopsided games. So that's fun. And one of the other, like, I would say that the mountain, the mountain Texas region is in this, in a similar boat. If you go by last year's standings and kind of the way the season started and what we've seen transfer-wise, Minnesota, Colorado, Kansas City, and RSL are all teams that I think were picked to get in the playoffs or be close to the playoffs with Colorado and Sporting kind of being at the lower end of that given last year's performance and transfers. Like, that could be a bloodbath out there. And Colorado and RSL is a is a violent rivalry. Sporting Kansas City and RSL is a violent rivalry. Minnesota is not violent with anybody. Um, Colorado and Kansas City can be he- a little heated, and then you throw in the Texas teams, and like that one, that one just seems like that would get brutal fast. And that conference, other than Minnesota, would be just violent and probably produce the most red cards for your fantasy season of any of the four divisions. I I'm really intrigued now. If if San Jose will come out with that press again, because I could just see with all this shutdown happened that that Almeida was just like, they're like, coach, what what do we do? What are we supposed to? How are we supposed to train during this time? He's just like, just run, just run every day. I will check your Fitbit every day. Just run. So all they all they've done is run the entire time. Okay, well that could be fun. I think that if we did do a, a region system as a way to to fix this, uh, I think fantasy would have to adapt in some way to um to have a a long enough season to make it fair somewhat of so you're getting the same amount of games out of each team i don't i don't think we can scrap our points from the beginning of the season uh so i think they're gonna they would have to look at that to find out when to to start the season with fantasy so maybe fantasy starts later than the real game that's that's something we could be facing or maybe they leave games off I mean, that could be uh, something else. Before we get to that too much, I want to do yours first, Blaine. Um, 
I want to do yours first so I don't so I don't forget about it. Let's look at just two divisions. Uh, we got to split at either the, the Chicago or Nashville. It goes whichever way you want to, but we're doing halvesies right here if you're going to do those divisions to play down. Um, so if we split it east and west sort of at that either Chicago or Nashville line, which side do you think is a more attractive fantasy matchup bonanza? I think it's the West. I, uh, I'm i leaning that way just because I think there's a little less parity on the Western side. Um, you've got a few more top-heavy matchups, and there's been some turnover on those teams, but not as much all the way around. It, just off the top of my head, I don't know, though. You get a rebuilt Chicago and Orlando and Cincinnati all in there with the rest of them. Like you're looking at potentially better matchups every week, more consistently from the Eastern conference. If we're going to pick just purely fantasy lines, uh, I think that could play a huge difference is you've got really the only teams in the West. I would feel comfortable like saying I would pick against every week are, are Vancouver and then potentially Houston and Dallas, depending on the way they come out and play. But I'm on the fence about Houston and Dallas. Whereas, well, I guess you got to throw Nashville in there too. So that's four, but right now I would pick against Orlando. I'd pick against Cincinnati. I would pick against Chicago pretty consistently. Um, and then, I know Miami started off hot, but what are they going to do with this turmoil and this downtime too? Like sure. Miami's one of those I'm going to be picking against a little bit more. I mean, I just I'm not as on the fence about three the bottom three in the Eastern Conference. At, whereas, I mean, Dallas has all the young kids, and Houston's got some really good playmakers. Like I can't consistently bet against the bottom three in the West where I could in the East. So I think because of that, I have to give it to the East because I think mm. their their weaker teams are just that much weaker. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. But, I mean, I think that was going to be true regardless of, you know, the, the format. The East has has a lot of more of the weaker teams, um, even if you throw Nashville um, over to the West. Uh, I just think the East, you know, has just so many more weaker teams. Uh, I mean, even in the normal Western Conference, you know, Vancouver, Nashville – then maybe you throw Houston in. I mean, we, we kind of had that discussion in the beginning of the year, but there's not as many. Whereas on the East, Orlando, Chicago, um, we don't know about Miami, um, Montreal. There, there's a lot of much more weaker teams, I, I think, in, in the East. I mean, I'd even throw out there, I, I think we still have some question marks around RSL and Colorado. I mean, there were, there were some pieces that we liked, but I don't think, again, two games – Two games right here. There were still some questions. LA Galaxy was even struggling to score some. So, uh, well, they were. I, I think I they're think, like mid-tier teams. Sure, you know, which is sure. always harder fantasy-wise because you, you you don't know to pick against them and you don't know whether to pick for them because they're just inconsistent. Okay. Um, sometimes you take flyers on them for double game weeks, but that, that's about it. Nope, that's fair. So I think so. We got either way. If we go to this this. Uh, conference system or split divisions whatever we want to do if that is what mls does for fantasy to react are we potentially looking at a system where we have to one delay the start of the fantasy of the fantasy game compared to mls to make sure there's some sort of parity because we still have 
the cup championship. We haven't even gotten to that yet. We still have some of the, the prize systems in place. Uh, so do we need a delay to make sure we still have an even split to make sure we still maintain a cup championship? Do we need to be selective about will we even offer every team as an option? Could we just have some forced buys where it's like, you know what? You you can't have uh, Sporting Kansas City this many times. It would be uneven. It's not going to be be fair. So Sporting Kansas City players are not an option. Would we not have a double game as an option? Would they remove a double game in those in those situations? So do we think that if we have fewer games, fantasy would have to adapt to do something like this? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I mean, even with the rule change for double game weeks that we had, we had a, a lot of people who were kind of upset about it because games didn't count. I think if fantasy started later, I think that would be more problematic. Um, the, the other part about this too, which is kind of looming over the situation, is that MLS is going to have to make budget cuts as a result of the shutdown. MLS is not going to get to play all these games. Teams are going to lose money. Um, so I think having fantasy do a whole lot of extra stuff in order to accommodate the season is just not likely in the cards. Money. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the money is going to be an issue – um, it'll be a huge issue as to whether or not we get the game next year, which is something I don't want to think about too much. But, mm-hmm. you know, for, for this one, I think the easiest thing probably for MLS to do is say, we're going to go from this, keep the coding we have as far as, you know, the double game weeks, you only get the top one. Maybe if it's we get more double game weeks, then they'll think about just going back to the old system and we'll just do normal double game weeks. Um, that, that's probably another topic of conversation, but I, I, I think we lose the championship idea. I, I think the split season, um, if, if it's as short as what I think it's going to be, I think it'd be really tough to do. E- even if you did Blaine, Blaine was thinking 26 weeks, 21, 20, you play through October and you get 21 weeks. So maybe from June 13th. You, so, so maybe if you did seven weeks each, and then you have, but then you basically you would just be the top hundred. You're gonna to have to make some some pretty big changes um, to the way it is, and and I sort of suspect MLS might just go instead of trying to recode new changes and new breaks, we're just gonna get rid of the breaks, just do an overall prize pool and just do it like that. I could see that. So, I could see that. Would it be hard to change the coding to say? Well, we're not going to do 50 from that first quarter. We're going to do 100 from this first part. We're going to do 100 from the second part and still try to maintain the last six weeks being those 200 people. So I, I like where Mike's going with that, and I'm going to play it off of with just the shutdowns that we're seeing and where the lockdowns are still in place. Um, I'm going to look at like a July 4th MLS return. Just I think that's a safer bet where all of your coastal teams will have been able to try to get back to training or relocate somewhere else in the country to get back to training and have adequate time. Um, So July 4th through October 31st is exactly 18 weeks. Um, That gives Champions League three sets of six, which is what they were talking about with six-week intervals, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Ish, yeah. Ish. And you take 67 from each over three intervals, which gives you your 201 players. 
and if you ever have a duplicate you drop the first duplicate and then you take whatever else so you you may lose one guy if somebody doubles up that's your first guy cut out of the list and that gets you back down to your 200 and you do it i'm in full agreement with mike um there will not be any extra money or resources diverted to fantasy this year um, and it's not that MLS doesn't have it or doesn't want to, but those resources are going to be better served in other areas. And I think everybody who works fantasy over there has other duties. And those other duties to get the rest of the league running properly are going to be a priority for them. So no changes. The only two things that really have to happen are adjusting the Champions League schedule on when those scores are tabulated and counted for Champions League and changing the MLS schedule once it gets set in stone that that's what they're going to play on, barring shutdowns and postponements. And other than that, everything else in the fantasy game is going to stay as we have it um, and go with the existing code because they have everybody at MLS has too many other duties and there's way too much else to get the league going to divert that type of attention to our game. And even saying that, um, my big fear is that they're going to axe the game for the entirety of the year, especially if this shutdown goes to July into July, or if they can't start games until July. Do they really want to update and try to spend time and energy on three to four months of fantasy schedule, or do they just want to say, we'll see in 2021? Well, let's not get too into worst-case scenarios. Just yet uh, so it sounds like the with the original twitter poll that i sent out to everyone i uh, i asked the question of do you still want to see a, oh no that's the other i asked if you want to see the champions league i asked uh, how would you like to see the remainder of the 2020 fantasy season played out uh, the first option was double game week every week and 46 percent of the oh, we almost had 60 votes with this 46 percent of people wanted a double game week every week so these are people who wanted to shove as many games as possible trying to maximize their points even though you're only going to get the best of a double game week player who knows what fitness will be though you may only even get one game out of the player anyway yeah. uh next was it sounds like this is where you guys are leaning and i could see this makes a lot of sense from the programming point of view uh just restart like there was no stoppage so is that sort of what we think is going to be the reality for fantasy is whenever games start back, there could be a decision for when the fantasy season starts back, and it's just going to be whatever is on the books, whatever is on the schedule, whatever points you have, the game starts from this point and just moves forward as normal, regardless of strength of schedule. What I would like... Now is, we're, is this what it sounds like this is what you guys are saying from talking we're talking about programming yeah. and it's like it sounds like is it just going to be flip the switch on there it is i that's what i think is going to happen okay yes what i would prefer to see happen because i know that was in there with the double game week every week i would prefer that every team play every weekend and fantasy only be the weekend games without double game weeks especially if we mm -hmm. go to something like divisions or whatever where you're only going to be having one or two midweek games maybe one in the east one in the west every week to try to get everything in so players aren't playing round the clock saturday wednesday saturday wednesday every week i would instead of having two double game weeks every week and four teams that kind of give you the cookie cutter 
which I know the new double game week scoring is breaking from that, but I think old habits die hard. I think you're going to see a lot of cookie cutter when LA's on a double game week, you're going to take your three players. Sure. When and and I just I I hate small double game weeks because they promote the cookie cutter mentality. Uh, well, this team's playing twice. I need two of them, and or I need all three players from this team. And, and I just I I would hate to see two or four teams on double game weeks and everybody loading up twelve players from those four games, from those two games, four teams. And I think that's the way it would go. I mean, it it, it might. I still don't know if our current system is set up to force you to want to do that i mean let's let's look at round 21 which would be a small double game week of cincinnati and new york city fc i could easily see every a lot of people wanting to have three new york city fc players at that time uh, just depending on on what's going on but otherwise you're probably going to want to bet against cincinnati i mean are you going to want to pick one of those new york city so that's that's going to be fine there but are you going to also want to have columbus players against cincinnati thinking that two bites at the apple for Cincinnati isn't going to give them as much as one game against Columbus. So I I think that's some of the trap is you're not necessarily wanting to go and load up on double game week players. Maybe you want to load up against them. Or or maybe you prefer, I mean, we are, this is an Atlanta team that does not have um, Joseph Martinez with them right now. So they're, they're a little wounded on that side. So LA Galaxy versus Atlanta, is that going to be a matchup that that you like better than a Cincinnati game that's going on. Are you going to want to see what we've got Real Salt Lake playing against Nashville? Are you going to want to see what that looks like? So I don't know. I, I, I can easily see people doing that because that's just what conventional wisdom is. But I think the double game week system this year is about ignore, turning that conventional wisdom on its head and trying to think more broadly about, about the teams and the matchups. No, I, I do agree with that, and that's kind of why I threw that caveat out there with the scoring change. I think early on, though, without knowing how teams are going to react and what fitness is going to look like those first two, three weeks while we figure it all oh, out, sure. it's going to be just doubling up. And then you make a good point. Like, when Vancouver plays twice, if they're playing against LAFC and against um, Sporting the way they started the season, we'll just go with that. Um, if you've got teams scoring that many goals and that dominant – yeah, of course you're going to load up against Vancouver, but I think everybody's going to find that out. Same way with Cincinnati. If if you've got Columbus and Atlanta both playing against Cincinnati in one week, of course you're going to load up against Cincinnati. But I think everybody's going to have that mindset, and it's just going to it's just going to kind of force people into the same thing a little bit more than I would like. And I think the shortened season really hurts that potential that this was supposed to fix it. I think it's just going to it's going to backtrack that just a little bit. The other thing I wanted to add was we have seen the game get changed during the season. So this happens a lot because of Champions League or Open Cup. Teams do change, and the game does change. Matchups change, double game weeks get added, buys get added. So we know that that can happen within the current coding. And if we have enough advance notice... Is it not possible that there could be a more creative solution of, hey, vendor, turn off these teams? Is it? I don't know how much it's tied to Opta points. Like, hey, uh, Cincinnati played a game. Their players have values, so shouldn't they get scores? Could the game override and just say, 
by this team is not available this week. So, I mean, that makes you wonder because there there is some ability to make changes in the game on the fly and not just at the beginning of a season or at the halfway point. Yeah. Programming Why would you want to say that a team is not available? Uh, so, so no, yeah, uh, two things. One, I liked uh, I liked Fripp's comment right here, assuming the third-party vendor is still in business. That's an excellent point, Fripp. That is an excellent point. If the company is not open nothing can happen well they're well probably okay because they can work mostly <laughs> work from home yeah, uh, so so i'm approaching this from um a strength of schedule point of view the way the season's set out right now uh, pretty much every team has the same number of double game weeks they have roughly the same number of games and roughly the same potential i mean theoretically of generating points so if if something it becomes too heavily weighted towards one team where it's like oh well everyone is always going to be betting against this team every week so because they're playing more games than anybody else let's maybe limit how many times you can pick that team by putting in an artificial buy just to sort of help round out a strength of schedule maybe and I guess I could see why you wouldn't like that well I, well but I think we already have the check in place against that and that's the fixed budget. Because let's say Atlanta and Columbus are just running over everyone else in, you know, an unbalanced division mm-hmm, and they get too expensive. Well, the, the check is you're not going to want to keep buying them because if you keep buying them, you know, and they're outperforming Carlos Vela and they're like 15 or 17 million, it's harder to get those other players whenever, you know, the Los Angeles do play uh, the Vancouver's or whatever. So I, I think there's already a check in that where you don't need to go that drastic mm-hmm. um, to do it. I think instead, you know, you don't you just let the budget take kind of take care care of it. Because I, I, I think there, the other problem with like if you turn them off, does that can you count it for you know you can't pick them, but their scores go to pricing or does it just not count? Sure, sure. You, I know that's if you're yeah. trying to look up backwards. Mm-hmm and see how they did you know mm-hmm. the history of it does it count you know in the scoreboard I, I, yeah yeah I don't yeah no you're right I, I don't think you can do it on a team by team basis i think you'd have to do it game by game mm-hmm. and it's the fix we see mid-season week three there's a tornado warning in te- in texas and they don't play their game like they can't safely open the stadium well that game just gets moved out to october and they reschedule it well the fantasy group goes okay that game's postponed nobody played everybody gets a did not play that had him in their lineup and then they add a game later in the calendar. Um, really, the only fix I see is to update that schedule. And so if you want to say, oh, we're not counting Cincinnati players this one, well, you're going to have to take the game out. And if they're playing Atlanta, you're, okay, we're dropping the Atlanta-Cincy game completely. And you don't get you don't get half the scores. The game just doesn't exist in the, in the code anymore. Sure. They take it out. So, And that's where my preferred way of doing it if it's going to be as tight as i think it is where you only get weekends and you only get single game weeks and just you scrap all the double game weeks because there's only two or four teams playing most of the time then yeah um that's how that's how i see the fix being implemented easily and quickly and those games just would not exist and they wouldn't update scores they wouldn't get involved in the pricing those games just do not exist to fantasy and we do everything on the weekends only for the fantasy game. The the final option that I put in the poll 
is uh, is knockout format. And so the thought I had for this, and this is going to bridge our conversation between segment two, which is the worst case scenario. So the thought I had when I suggested a knockout format was, what if we really come down to it and all we have time for is sort of a token game or two to try to establish some seating and really just an MLS cup. So what if it just turns into, we're going to do a knockout tournament for the rest of the season. You can still get some fantasy points uh, because we're going to do some, some seating. Like what if, what if that's end up what, what if that ends up being what happens? Do you think that we could, the way we would do this with fantasy is building off an idea that Fripp had is if you start um, deactivating teams and increasing the team, the per team player limit. So if you start knocking teams out to try to get down to a bracket or to try to have some sort of simulated cup, do you think that could be something fantasy could shift to if we would increase the the player per team limit? Sort of like a la, what was that, 2012, 13? Where we kind of played through the, the MLS Cup? Yeah, I think you could make that work. Um, from what i've been hearing and i mean it's all from all over the place anyway but um the minimum mls would go to before they canceled the season would be one matchup in conference so everybody plays 12 games and home and away is luck of the draw on that everybody gets six home six away but who you play at home and away is luck of the draw and you do you do 12 weeks of single, basically single elimination or single game for playoff seating. You play everybody in your conference, and then the way those shake out, wherever your standing is at that point, that's how we determine playoffs, and then we go into it. Um, if fantasy did that, you would be guaranteed to have all of your teams playing, and you just have a 12-week fantasy season. And maybe that is 100 and 100 for... But then, see, you did, then you don't get your Champions League if you're only playing 12 weeks. You get six and six. So, if they did that with fantasy, I bet they would get just scrap the Champions League. But you get 12 weeks of everything, and then you go straight into playoffs. And so, yeah, LAFC may get Vancouver and Nashville at home, and that's huge advantage for them in the fantasy game. Um, Seattle may have to go to both LAs and don't get either one of those at home, which is a major disadvantage for some of those. Like it's just, it's just going to be the way it is. You may have powerhouse teams get favorable matchups at home. They may have to go to the favorable matchups on the road, but we're all just kind of stuck with what happens. But I think if MLS is going to have the season and we're going to have fantasy, we're going to have to have a minimum of 12 weeks of regular season. And it's going to be, one against for each in-conference opponent, and that's what's got to happen. Mike, want to add anything to knock out? Or are you just like, no, nah, it doesn't work? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that not having a knockout for MLS would make sense. I, I've talked about this um, in, in regards to other leagues, particularly like issues like the Premier League and the NBA are going to have um, when you're trying to finish a season. You don't want to go through all the expense because we're talking about you're probably not going to have fans at the game. You're probably going to have to do some sort of bubble scenario in order to satisfy government officials. Moreover, you're probably going to want to have that kind of bubble scenario just for your own peace of mind because you don't want um, 
you know, a second wave to come through, you know, that might all of a sudden you have to cancel games. Or if you have a team get infected, then you have to cancel games again. So you're going to want to have to get their staff, get them there and shut it and have them kind of bubbled out from the rest of the world just so you can make sure. So you're going to want to get some sort of value out of that. So to me, having a knockout wouldn't make sense, you know, right away because, you know, let's say, for example, you're Nashville. You're going to get all those pay players back, pay, pay to lodge them for a month so they get knocked out the first week. I don't, I don't think that's going to make a whole lot of sense. I, th- I think you would have to at least do something like what Blaine is talking about, have some sort of season, um, you know, because I, I, I sort of suspect other teams are probably looking at let's play the playoffs and then go right into the next season just to kind of make the bubble, the expense of going into the bubble worth it. So I don't think we're going to go right into a knockoff. Now, if we did have that kind of situation for fantasy, that's probably something where we could adapt. Um, there, there probably also is, and even though I'm a lawyer, I don't necessarily know the legal intricacies of this. Uh, there probably is some legal issues about what you can and cannot do with a prize prize pool that's been promised for a contest that's technically in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um I sort of suspect that that might require MLS to just say we're canceling this contest and go into mm. another contest. Because um, I, I sort of suspect that Pick six. De- yeah, well, the, the bottom line is whoever's department is in charge and is going to have to make budget cuts, they might need to take the $4,800 for the Champions League. So if, if they cut the Champions League, I don't think they would be too sad because that gives them a quick, easy money that, hey, maybe they can use that to save somebody's job. So I'm not going to be... And you know, we're in the the worst case scenario section right now. I don't know if this is a worst case scenario or if James Ballow would consider this a worst case scenario. But maybe worst case scenario is the season long game is just canceled. Maybe you're right, Mike. We can't live up to the obligations we promised. So the only option we have is to just cancel this as it is. However, you can still win weekly prizes with the pick six MLS. So maybe that's what we get for the rest of this season. It's just pick six. But on on a worst case scenario, what is what is that for you all? How many weeks do you think does fantasy have to have? Do we have to have six weeks at least to be able to do a Champions League with the fifty teams that we have just from round one and two? Um, is is what what's the worst case scenario for fantasy? I'm, we're we're gonna say no fantasy, of course, is the worst case scenario. But what's the worst case? next worst case i i don't think it's as grim like i think we either cancel fantasy or we have fantasy in whatever format is possible and champions league may get thrown out the window and it may just be nope you get whoever's number one number two and number three at the end of the regular season and we're going to go back to the old format one season top overall players get the prizes and mm-hmm. that's it and it's the easiest fairest way to do it um then the, the only big point of debate there is do the first two weeks that we've already played and seen scores count or not um everybody came in at equal footing on those first two weeks so i unless you just missed them um you had a fair shot at the same points as everybody else and so i don't see any reason to necessarily throw them out even if the format is going to change but if you if you do throw them out you just start over fresh zero everybody out and do it again 
but you play whatever games you can and it becomes a single season and you get rid of all the gimmicks around it. I don't know if there's a worst case where fantasy can adapt, but I, I mean, you brought up the question earlier, Reed, whether or not MLS is committed to using the resources they would need to change the coding in order to make the adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Trip, Trip's talking in chat, you know, Champions League in, you know, European Champions League, they're able to run a fantasy game, you know, based off the group stages, and, and there's not a whole lot of weeks really in that. So, I mean, you can just make the game however small you have to do, even if you have to cut Champions League. You, you can find an adaptation um, to, to do it. Um, I, I mean, you know, we, we do the show league, and the show league um, is split up into four different seasons over the course of the MLS, mostly regular season. Um, so, I mean, you, you can definitely do it regardless. Uh, I mean, probably the schedule that I think is the worst case for the fantasy league would be if they did some sort of knockout, like you said. Um, I, I think it'd be tough. I think the other tough thing for fantasy would be if you just loaded up double game weeks back to back. And the reason that would be tough is because figuring out who's going to get rotated when is just going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be bad because one, None of there's going to be absolutely no reporting injury wise because none of the beat writers are going to be at practice. Um, all, you know, any of the newspaper guys who follow these teams are just going to be talking to everybody by, by, via Zoom. Um, so you're not going to know who's playing, and you're probably just going to have multiple rotations. Just, you know, you're not going to be able to just okay, I'm going to dump a game um, and then go catch the next one. Uh, especially if you have a condensed schedule because one, those games matter more. And, and two, you're not going to be able to just, you're going to have to consistently rotate players. Um, and that, that's going to be a nightmare um, as far as picking. Uh, maybe the single game week uh, addition will help a little bit about that because as long as you get them from one. But I mean, we, we talked a lot earlier when we are talking about the divisions, who gets which matchup is going to matter a lot. And if you're hoping for Atlanta to get the second matchup uh, against, you know, Cincinnati, as opposed to the, fir- the first part of the double game, which is against Columbus, who plays that second game is going to be a big deal, and you're not going to be able to see it. So it's, it's going to be just a lot harder slog trying to navigate just constant G- DGWs. I, I think the double game week scoring change would be a benefit in this scenario. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not like, Oh, do I get? I'm going to take Vela for two games. I'm going to take Vela for two games, but that's the easy one. You're still going to take Vela if you see him starting that first game anyway. Um, it's more of your mid-tier players that you're like, well, I'm only picking this guy because I think he's going to play two games and he's got a pretty high floor, and I think he's going to be able in the years past. I think he's going to be able to get me six, eight, ten points between the two games. Now you're looking at a guy. Well, okay, Bradley's usually good for a five at least once a week in a double game week. I'm just going to take it for the five. Well, if he only plays one game, you're still getting a score. Whereas if you take a Bradley who you expect to have two bites at the apple with one, with a decent score and he only gets one, that's no different than taking a little bit better player, say a Zardes, thinking, well, if he gets a goal in either game, he's going to get a better score. I'm not being punished for taking a guy who only plays one week or one game out of the double and I, I really think that's going to be a huge advantage going for MLS going into the fantasy scheduling is 
they don't have to worry so much about the double game weeks because we're not so reliant on getting both scores if there is rotation. As long as they play one game and they're not injured, which injury reporting has been a problem anyway. Really? What? Yeah. Injury yeah, is so, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so like we're not at we're not adding an extra problem to the fantasy game. We're just we're still dealing with the same injury reporting problem that we've always had. So I, I think the, the, new, the new scoring rule is actually a benefit for dealing with either massive congestion and tons of double game weeks and tons of rotation. I mean, as long as you don't pick a guy who's injured and doesn't play at all, you're, at, you're not at a competitive disadvantage compared to somebody else. You may not get the two bites at the apple, but at least they're not getting double scores. And so it, it'll work out in the wash. Yeah, I think the ultimate worst case scenario that that Joe was just talking about in in chat is that uh, he said it wouldn't surprise him if MLS if the MLS season gets canceled this season completely. So uh, that would definitely be a worst case scenario. I mean, I guess the wild card there is if if salary cuts and budget cuts do come, how is that going to impact the players and the players union, and what are they going to do? Is there going to be another strike or something that that goes on? Or a rumor of that. Um, I mean, well, clear- I mean, we haven't talked about um, Hercules Gomez's report that you know because we did have a CBA, you know, negotiation coming into that technically was never ratified, and that mm. CBA didn't have a force majeure provision. So maybe there might be a lockout in order to get that provision. Mm. Um, obviously, that that could have some impacts. Um, um, as far as canceling seasons, I doubt it because i mean if, if you're at the point where like we can't have large crowds you you can't have movies being made you can't have movies being shown in the movie theater uh you can't have that i i sort of think the government would step in and be like we're going to give you the money to put on games to have something to entertain people to keep them at home i mean we're we're at a month mm-hmm. we're starting to see more and more protests i just think the realistic of like let's get something on something new something you know to talk about that's fresh and, and different I, I i don't i i think the government would step in if that came i mean you know trump has shown enough sporting events to be like hey sports fans please like me i mm-hmm. i think I, I i politicians of both stripes like to dole out money to keep sports fans. So, <laughs> um, I, I sort of think if it came down to the NFL season and NBA would be canceled or, you know, we give them a bailout instead of the cruise industry, I think that might happen. Yeah, and to Sorry. piggyback on that, because um, I've had this discussion in a few other places, um, at this point with MLS, not some of the other leagues who have the big TV deals, but with MLS, if we're dealing with even with stadiums are bringing in tons of money, we're we're not the most financially healthy league compared to others. I mean, you look at NFL. I think NFL jersey sales probably out earns MLS as a whole, and that's just the the way we sit. Like, I, and I talked to some people. I was like, some games are on TV and getting some TV revenue, whatever that may be, is better than canceling a season playing in a bubble and getting whatever tv revenue you can get for putting up all the teams in one spot as long as it'll cover costs and then bring in a little bit is better than not playing the season and getting nothing and mls is not one of those luxury leagues where 
oh, the NBA could cancel the rest of their season, cancel playoffs, and just throw in the towel. They'll come back in the fall or next spring, or even if they have to wait till the fall of 22 when or 21 when the season would start up then. Like if this goes this long, the NBA will come back and they will be fine. Yes, some of their stars will be older. Yes, some of them will be out of shape. And some of the older stars may have to retire because they're not in game shape and they don't have the desire to get back into the game. But there are still young athletes ready to come in. And so MLS, MLS is, doesn't have the luxury of saying, oh, no, we can sit out till the, till the spring of 21 and start a new season. That revenue stream is, could, be, um, contract, could make teams contract. And it, it's hard to say, but it's like you, you'd think they would want to do something and get some TV revenue, even if that's striking up a new deal with ESPN or a new deal with Fox out of this emergency or whatever and says, you have no sports on TV. We'll give you sports, pay us something so we can pay player salaries and keep the league alive. Because I'm seeing jokes all across the internet from other sports fans. I'm so desperate to watch any sport. I would watch soccer right now. <laughs> Let's give it to like, them. Let's like, give it to them and make them fantasy like, fans. Like that, that's a huge thing. Like, I, and I know some of my, some of my liberal friends that think NASCAR is a redneck sport. They're like, I don't care if it's NASCAR on TV. I will watch NASCAR. I will watch him. I will watch soccer. I will watch whatever you put on that is competitive. E NASCAR has been trending on Twitter. And I'm yeah. not, I mean, I used to follow NASCAR. I don't follow a whole lot of NASCAR like now. So I'm not, it shouldn't like pop like, up in my algorithm. It is. You know why? Cause they've gotten the drivers to set up their virtual games and they're just doing races. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's like, cool. I mean, it's, it's keeping people entertained. It's giving them something to talk about. Like, one of, um, way safer. One of my favorite videos from Facebook that's gone around is I'm so desperate for sports. I'm falling in love with marble racing. I don't know if you guys have ever I've seen, seen it. it. No, no, I've for, seen the marble racing. Yes. For those that haven't, they put like 20 or 30 marbles in on a slope and they've dug out in sand or whatever this racetrack or it's in the mud or whatever, but they put 30 different marbles in there and they pull the, they pull the starting block. And then somebody just sits there and commentates about all the different specially named marbles that he came up with. And you see which one finishes first. And by God, you find one of those marbles that you think is pretty and you start rooting for it and you get emotionally invested in watching a marble race downhill in a slalom course. That's what, that's what it's going to be. People are that desperate for anything that whatever comes back first is going to get huge viewership and make a killing i like um, fripp's comment uh, mls 4.0 is going to be emls hey sporting is crushing it with emls right now too <laughs> um the best player in the emls game right now is an actual mls player in juan cuisine well, there we um, go he is there's there's been some fun stuff there um been watching those but yeah he's been doing better than the professional fifa players that have gotten signed to the emls contracts nice so <laughs> nice. um let's just, i gotta throw it out there because kuzain did it um he played against um tyler miller for minnesota and he put up four goals on tyler miller and miller actually subbed himself out <laughs> the backup goalkeeper in the middle of the game. It was, yeah, it was priceless. Like, props to Miller for making something fun out of uh, probably a bad experience. Like, 
it just that one made me laugh that one made me happy but it, it just shows that american society is desperate for something and mls right now should be i would hope are working on a plan to be the first sport back even if that means getting all the teams together in a more neutral site where there's no home fans, there's no home stadium. If it's in Phoenix where they play a lot of those uh, preseason games and just getting the guys out there where they can train and play and they can, they can broadcast some streams. If they could get back before baseball this, this summer, I think that would be huge. And I think you would have a lot of people tune in and, being soccer fans, I think we've all said the same thing. If I can get somebody to a game, if I can get somebody to spend the time and invest, I can make them a soccer fan. And that's the problem MLS has had. They, the early season competes with uh, NBA and Stanley Cup. And then the late season and playoff time competes with both NFL and college football. Like that middle, that middle of the summer, people are torn between baseball and soccer. And baseball's familiar and you don't have to pay attention to it as much. <laughs> I'm not well, and MLS has had not, the trouble for the summer because the international tournament usually sucks away all the attention. It's usually yeah. a women's cup, yeah. the World Cup, the Euros. You won't have that now. Um, it'll also be interesting because the schedule is going to be moved around. We don't know what the NBA is going to be doing. Um, there's been talk about college football maybe having to move to a February start time uh, because they don't know when college campuses are going to be back because the college may just move for an e semester again. You know. That's a whole lot of stuff that's not in MLS's control and is probably too far down the line. But there may be opportunities there if MLS. Now, the, pro- the interesting thing for that fantasy is that if, say, ESPN all of a sudden finds itself not having a whole lot of content, you know, if like college basketball gets canceled, for example, and ESPN doesn't have games from Monday to Friday in the middle of the week. I would not be surprised if someone came to MLS and said, hey, we need games to fill up our schedule. And do you want to want to space them out? Um, now, that might throw some chaos in fantasy if all of a sudden we've got a Monday game and a Tuesday game and a <laughs> Thursday game. Um, I could see Garber that, saying, here's the template for how to print a Garber book. You may yeah. respond back. Yeah, I mean, because MLS is not in the position to say no to a net. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, now there are other leagues. Maybe you know, ESPN just goes full out um, NBA Marbles. coverage, but that would require them to show teams that are not based in Los Angeles. So I don't know if they would be willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> little dig, little dig right there. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot tonight. Uh, I don't know if you tuned in to this episode hoping to get uh, closure on what's going to happen. It was really just more about sort of following the rabbit hole of these various rumors and ideas that people have sent out and that we've thought about. So uh, who knows what's going to happen. If we get the game back, it may just be for the remainder of the season. It may be transitioning to a pick six. It it may be any of the other random things that we've talked about tonight. But I, I think we're all uh, yearning for that day when we can get soccer back, even if it's just watching players training. Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be the players doing wind sprints and us having fantasy based upon how they do there or or their small-sided games and, and just seeing fantasy based on on that. So um, it's, it's uh, going to be very interesting to see. But final thoughts before we wrap up for tonight, Mike. Final thought? Um, yeah, just kind of, I, I just echo what Blaine said. There's there's an opportunity there if MLS can seize it. Ho- hopefully the leadership 
um, is, is able to do something that, that, that can grow the game. Um, otherwise, I mean, we're, we're definitely in a state of, you know, fearing about contraction. And, and bottom line is I, I just hope to be able to make some picks again this year. Blaine. Yeah, pretty much the same as Mike said. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I know that we're going to get games back. We'll, we'll have something, and we'll be right there with you uh, because we will get through this together. Good luck.